join me in prayer. Lord, we do thank you for this time. May we be able to focus on you so that your word can, can take root in us. We pray, Lord, for the little ones that they would be able to, to receive God-centered encouragement as well. And that we don't see them as a distraction, Lord, that they are here to praise as well. But help the parents be able to hear through their praise. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I got, uh, I got some names to name. And um, if your name's not named, it's because of time. It's not because of value. This past week, I, uh, Pastor Chris blessed us. He drove to Grand Rapids to try to get an organ for us so we can have a little bit more of a historic sound. Uh, after working a night shift, jumped in the car, drove to Grand Rapids to bless us. Amen. Amen. See, you do things like that when there are people you love. You'll sacrifice even some of your own physical enjoyment of sleep to care for others. So you can have a, a father-like posture, even if it's to an entire congregation. I've watched the, the generosity of the Egger family, and specifically, uh, yeah, yeah, we can holler. You know it. <laughs> and Brother Nate has blessed families, been able to send families to camp, and uh, watch the way he cares for his kids. I even go to pick up a tool from him yesterday, and he's like, grab it quick, man, because I'm taking my boys to go fishing. I'm like, man, it's awesome. I think of the, the different coaches in the room that have coached their children and invested in their children in the home and then bring that out to the field and are the biggest cheerleaders. I could keep naming names. I can tell you about Kamal. I can tell you about Mike. I can tell you about Matthew because these are all models. These are examples. They are bits that I have gleaned from, and they have helped make my fathering that much more rich. But I want to take you not simply from the examples that's in this room, because I could name a different angle of every man in this room, and you would be encouraged, but I want you to be even more deeply encouraged by an example we find in Luke. Luke is the first father figure we have in the New Testament. Luke, excuse me, in the book of Luke, we have the first father figure in the New Testament. Turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And I pray that some of the examples of, of this father will help us in our fathering. Our fathering. You might be single, but you still can act and participate in fathering. And moms, I know y'all are present, and some of y'all uh, are mom and dad. And we love you, and we encourage you, and we want to walk with you. But today, the Father's Day. <laughs> Luke chapter 1 
starting at verse 5. Somebody tell me what page that is in our pew Bible. 1457, amen. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. You have this man named Zechariah. Zechariah is a priest. He comes from a line of priests. He comes, he has a, a history, a lineage of priestly duties. He comes from top dog priests. Aaron. And you could almost say he's from a list of preachers. But he's he's not considered lifted up. He doesn't get his name mentioned just because of his family bloodline. He gets it because of his righteousness. It says here he's deemed righteous and righteous is something that's pleasing in the sight of the Lord, something that that bring God's honor, something that Behind the scenes, God sees and delights in. Brothers, I pray that as you consider walking as a father, you would not care as much what people say. Don't get me wrong. We all like recognition. We all want to be encouraged. We want to, you know, you work hard. You want someone to say good job. You want someone to praise you. But the people can all praise you and what you do behind closed doors be evil. And so what God sees as righteous is a person behind closed doors, even when no one else sees them. That person is saying, before you, God, how do I please you? How do I honor you? How do I do what is right in your sight? Will you get it right all the time? Probably not. We'll see if Zechariah gets it right all the time. But the heart posture is one of wanting to delight in the Lord and the Lord to be pleased with our actions. It's righteous, simply a faithful God. But notice what happens here. It says that his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. It says that basically, not only would you say that he was righteous based on you knowing him, but they had some rhythms in their home that were patterns of godliness. They sought to understand God's word and live it out. Fathers, may I encourage you that Zechariah is a good model for us. Simple questions like, what does it look like for me to pursue God and try to live that out in my home? What is the home life looking like? But even if you are considered righteous, even if your home life seems to be like it's lining up, it doesn't mean that you will be protected from disappointments. It doesn't mean that your life will go perfect. It doesn't mean that everything's going to fall in line. And you see here they have some, some sadness, a little bit of heartache from a hope not yet realized. Continue with me in verse 8. 
Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time of the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. So, so, so he is a priest. Priests have priestly duties, but it is just like once in a priest's lifestyle, lifetime that they end up with the opportunity to burn the incense in this way. It's once in a lifetime that they get a chance, even with all these years of being a priest. He goes through these priestly duties. He gets selected. Now he gets a chance to do this. And, and he doesn't expect much. He doesn't, he doesn't think much is going to happen. Some of you have had situations in your life. Some of you have had uh, situations where you were longing for something, where you got into the, 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 the discipline of something. How many people read their Bible? Amen. Imagine if you read your Bible once a week, faithfully. Imagine if you read your Bible three times a week, faithfully. Imagine if you read your Bible every day, faithfully. How many times while reading your Bible has God just touched your shoulder and said, I see you? Maybe the first time you started reading your Bible, somebody was like, yeah, you just got saved. If, go read your Bible. Watch what happens. And you went with expectation. You went excited. You went ready. And then you're like, oh, that was a cool story. And then maybe you left a little bit encouraged. You left a little bit more encouraged. But if we can be real, sometimes we are disciplined people, but that discipline doesn't bring the fruit that we want. Sometimes I pray and I want to get up with the answer right there. Sometimes I read and I'm looking for insight. Okay, Lord, this person's going through this thing. I'm going to read and I'm ready to give it. I ain't got nothing. And so sometimes even your discipline can lead you into a routine. And God shows up in the midst of the ordinary. See, Father, sometimes I need you to be okay with the ordinary disciplines, but not count out God out from doing something extraordinary in the midst of that. He can give you a word like you never expected. He can touch your heart like you never expected. I've told y'all this so many times, but I'm going to say it again and again because it's one of the top three moments in my life where it was a reality. My wife and I are praying. We're talking. We get to a point where we say, okay, like we think we might want to consider adoption. I'm like, mm, look at all these kids. I don't know, baby. I don't know. Mm, okay, let's do it. Maybe we can do it. Okay. I feel like no, the answer is no. Cool. I saw you, Lord. You answer me. Cool. No more diapers. Cool. Okay. So I go away. Go away to pray. We got a little cabin. I go away to the cabin to pray. I'm at the cabin praying. God, here's the three things I want you to answer on, okay? One, da 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 Two, da-da-da. And three, da-da-da. Y'all want to know what my da-da-da-da is. I ain't telling y'all. Got you. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let me just say this. It didn't have nothing to do with adoption. I already settled that. We good. 
God's like, I, got, I hear your three. Whoop. Adopt. As clearly as I said it to you, I heard God say adopt. I can't imagine my life without my little daughter. I can't imagine it. But y'all, if I could be honest, I expected to leave like, oh, I learned a little bit more about Jesus because I studied a little bit more and I got a little bit more rested. I was not expecting an extraordinary experience. Fathers, stay faithful to the ordinary. Be okay with the discipline of reading, the discipline of prayer, which we'll see next, the discipline of journaling, whatever it is that leads you to connect with God a bit deeper, the discipline of serving, whatever it is. But don't don't count God out from showing up in a mighty way. He desires to do that. He desires to step in our regular and make it extraordinary. He reveals himself. Continue with me in verse 12. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not fear, do not be afraid. Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Notice something that he says to Zechariah. He says in verse 13, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Fathers, it is essential that we be men of prayer. It is key that we be men of prayer. If you need gas for your engine, you need prayer for your Christian life. It is a key component to you advancing and you moving forward in this Christian walk. But all prayer is not the same. All prayer can be powerful, but it doesn't have to be the same. And sometimes we set the standard of prayer as if there's one way to pray. I am grateful for the beautiful people that have an issue and every day. Uh, our brother Matthew's been one of them. How many Sundays have we prayed for the Heffernans, y'all? Some of y'all have never even met the Heffernans, and you like, on a Sunday, if he don't submit that prayer, you'd be like, we ain't pray for the Heffernans. You know what I'm saying? Because my brother is faithful at praying, faithful at praying. He will keep seeking the Lord, seeking the Lord, and that is, a, that is biblical. It's biblical to keep knocking. It's also biblical to seek the Lord and trust him. I'm, I'm, I'm one that, that, that I'll, I'll pray for something fervently one day, and then I'm like, all right, God, you heard me. 
And then the next week, I'm on to the other 80 prayers that I like. I don't, I'm, I, it's just not my posture to like keep knocking, keep knocking. Though that is a beautiful thing, it's also beautiful to pray sincerely and say, I trust you, God. You got it. You heard me. We don't know what Zechariah did. We don't know if Zechariah prayed this when they were in their teens or if he prayed it since they were teenagers. What we know is that he prayed and that God heard it. He heard it. He heard it through the times when people was talking bad about his wife. God heard it when the times where they prayed and didn't feel like God responded. He heard it when they were going through the trials and hoping and hoping and hoping. God heard it. And God hearing doesn't always mean he's going to respond in the way we desire but it does mean that he's faithfully listening to you. And there's nothing more debilitating in your Christian walk, nothing more debilitating in your human walk than to feel like somebody you love is ignoring you. Not God. God hears you. But fathers, men, as we get to model these things in our home, let us be men of prayer. But your son ain't John. Let's just be clear. John is a great person in this Bible. He was going to do a lot of great things. You can have some John-like ways. You can be John-ish. But your son, not John. Your daughter's not John. But there are some great things associated with your beautiful child. Listen to, listen to what Matthew says in 1028. He said, you don't have this, Pastor K. He says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body. You don't got to be John. Teach your children how to have a reverent fear for who God is. Teach your children how, how to fear the Lord in a healthy way where they are not prideful or arrogant. Listen to Proverbs 8.13. It says, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior and perverse speech. He's saying, hey, I want to see godliness dripping from who you are. Teach your children in these ways. Raise your daughters, raise your son, that when people interact with them, they leave feeling blessed. Leave feeling encouraged. I can't tell you how much I love being a father and how annoying it is at the same time. Annoying. Let's be real. When that young mind is developing, how many times do you as a parent have to teach them how to say thank you before they actually do it on their own? They'll snatch a cookie real quick and won't even think twice about you. Come on back. What do you say? You know how many times you got to help them see it's important to acknowledge the other person just did something for you? It's sometimes we got some grown babies out here. They ain't never been taught. Fathers, it's on us to, to impart these things unto these young minds. Why? Because Zechariah is hearing what his son is going to be, but we get a chance to, to hear from God what our daughters and our sons are going to be. He's telling us, don't let them be prideful people. Read the scriptures. 
He also says in Ephesians 5, 1, he says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave us himself, gave up himself for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You want your children imitating Jesus. Some great accolades about, about who John was or who he was going to be. Some great attributes about who our sons, who our daughters are going to be right here in the scriptures and let them flow from who you are. Fathers, I know it's going to take hard work. I know it's going to take some effort. And I know it's going to take you messing up. That's why uh, that's why we get an example of Zechariah. I I, I like him because, because he is in the presence of God. That should be enough to wake him up. And in the presence of God, he jacks it up. Fathers, this call to be a father is real, it is serious, but it is not a call to perfection. You will mess up. And you may have to deal with some of the consequences of your mess ups. Lord saying, don't just call them mess ups, call them sin, because that's what they are. Fathers, we will sin. Zechariah's consequence was that he wasn't going to be able to speak. Look here with me in, in verse 18. Zechariah asked the angel, angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. What you doing? You taking what you see and trumping what God says. But my situation, ain't no way you could do this in here, God. Oh, that, that's how big you see me. And this is how big you see your situation. Verse 19, the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens. Because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. And there's, there's, there's consequences for sinful actions. But God is a loving, forgiving God. Uh, some of those consequences may linger and stay with us. I'll, uh, I'll never forget when I was like, man, I was like eight. There was a guy in our neighborhood who was the dopest barber. I'm talking about like, we ain't talking about just like even Stevens or like, you know, like a little, little taper. This dude could draw art in the back of your head. My mom would get worried sometimes because I would leave and go to his house and I would be gone for like six hours on a haircut. But the dude before me, he took three hours on and then on me, he took three hours on. And y'all, even though it was long, when I went to school the next day, everybody was like, oh, look at Lee. 
He got Jordan in the back with stars and a Mercedes Benz. Like, I'm telling you, it was off the chain. But this dude, he had dots on the side of his face. Because one day, while standing next to the iron, he answered the phone a few times. The phone down, phone rang again. He grabbed the iron, put it right on his face. So he was like, man, I should have I been paying attention. I should have been focused. I should have But that consequence stayed with him for a long time. And I, I haven't seen Aaron in 40 years. Probably. I'm 45, so 35 years. But that lesson stuck with me about how sometimes even something that's innocent can be a consequence that sticks with you for life. And fathers, that's the case of some of us. Some of us have made choices where you have a baby's mama that you made decisions out of your flesh when you were making that choice or she made decisions or whatever and now there's a beautiful life that you get to, t- to care for. But the, the situation itself is not ideal and is not what God would have intentionally wanted. And there's a consequence. Or some of you financially have done some things where you've had to do bankruptcy or you've had to do debt consolidation. Or you had to do a few things where the, what you would like to do now is get a house or get a car. And you're in a tough situation because you were not disciplined or wise or whatever you want to call it, but there's a consequence today for that behavior. Just know that a consequence doesn't lock you in to not being able to be a good father. Though there may be some things you have to deal with, God will still work through you and in you as you care for those things. None of your children are a consequence. But maybe a broken relationship is. And your finances can be healed. We can see new health take place. But some of us may seem or feel like Zechariah. We may feel silenced as we go about life because of some of the pain of the decisions that we made in not listening and, and not trusting God. Continue with me. I, I, I got to list some of these stats. And I list these stats not to make anybody feel guilty. I list these stats so that men, we would go grab other men. I say that because you may know of a father not being a good father. If I could be honest, I've got some cool images. One of them is while we was at a discipleship retreat, uh, I look up and it's almost all men outside with the kids. For 10 minutes. We had to come get y'all after 10 minutes. But still, for that 10 minutes, all the, almost all the brothers was outside. And, 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 and I say that because oftentimes, fathers, you'll get beat down. And I'm grateful for the examples of fathers that we have in this church. Amen. But I also want to let you know the, the impact fatherlessness has on people. In Texas, 85% of youth are curr- that are currently in prison grew up in fatherless homes. We talk about consequences of sin. 
says seven out of every 10 youth that are housed in a state-operated correctional facility, and this is from the Department of Justice, um, including detention and residential treatment, come from a fatherless home. 39% of students in the United States from the first grade to their senior year of high school uh, do not have a father at home. Children without a father are four times more likely to be living in poverty than children with a father. Girls who live in a fatherless home have a 100% higher risk of suffering from obesity than girls who have their father present. And teen girls from a fatherless home are also four times more likely to become mothers before the age of 20. I, I list these things so that we can see the effects of sin. So fathers, we can see the important reason why we stick out fathering no matter what. And why if we see another father starting to struggle, starting to slack, we come alongside you, bro. We got your back. What do you need? Because the impact of your absence is way too great. You matter in your home. You matter in the life of your children. And they need us. Continue with me in verse 23. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among people, among the people. You see here, there's a miracle that takes place. But when the miracle takes place, do they go around town parading? Let me tell you what God did. Do they drop a new album on TikTok? Album. Y'all ain't know what albums are. Um, you know, like, do they, or, or do they have a different posture? Do they worship at home? Behind the scenes, say, say, you know what? What God has done, we are going to celebrate and delight in him. We are going to rejoice in him. We will do this together. We will celebrate what God has done. I, I want to tell you, fathers, this is a great place to celebrate God. When Mike get on them keys sometime and he, you know, like he get to jamming, you know, and Shauna up here doing her thing and Gary on the bass, like, like Pastor, when they're doing their thing, this is a great place to worship. When, when Pastor Kay is praying over our church body, when Edith is doing announcements, like, like we have some awesome experiences here. But this is not the primary place where worship should take place. This is the secondary place. This is a great place. But at home, your kids should be like, oh, scripture. See, see, I, I was, when um, um, I was rapping with JD, um, and y'all know, I, I like to toot y'all horns, man, because y'all do some great stuff. And I, I could say this about Zay, I could say this, but, but we had um, uh, Christmas, and, and your crazy pastor chose to, like, do a, do a first-person narrative of a Roman soldier, and one of the kids, thank you, sister, uh, and one of the kids was, was saying to his dad, like, oh, is he going to do this next? You know, I don't remember which of J.D.'s son it was, but, but he, he knew the story. 
You see, we come to learn the story of God and experience the beauty of God at home first. Worship happens behind the scenes first, fathers, and then we come into the public sphere ready to overflow with worship unto the Lord. Ready to go crazy and celebrate. Now, don't get me wrong. At home, some stuff get on my nerves. My kids get to see the good and the bad of me. Y'all only get to see the good most of the time. You know what I'm saying? But how much of your worshipful spirit do they get to see? Are you a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde worshiper? At home, are they like, uh, I think he loves God. But then you come in here, hallelujah, hallelujah. You know, like, like are you like two totally different people? Don't let that be the case. I'm not trying to kill your worship here. I'm trying to elevate our worship at home. I love Zechariah and our sister. And we don't know the purpose. We don't know if they didn't want to to have to interact with people. We don't know. All we know is home was where they delighted in worship. Continue with me. We're going to slide down, chapter 1, slide down to verse 57. I'm going to get ready to get you out of here. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared in her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue set free, and he began speaking and praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wonder wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. With him. I just want you to see like, 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 like a, a comparison of culture and kingdom. Culture and kingdom. In this culture, you named your child after the father or after a family member. And so the, the, the community had standards for how you would behave, what you would do. And so they bring those standards to Zechariah and Elizabeth's child. And I love that even good-intentioned people can try to do something that's not kingdom-minded. We've, I, I remember when, when we were uh, we was raising our child and... Uh, I kind of I started off a little bit different because, one, well, just because I'm different, but, but Boo and I, we, we talked through stuff, and, and, and in talking through stuff, we realized, like, man, uh, uh, there's just this, this limit where your anger can just pop off as a parent. And when the kid does something, you just instantly jump on it, respond in anger, and let them have it. And we were like... No, that's not how we, we want to do things. So what we want to do is gain our composure, 
talk to the child, explain to them what they did wrong, and then still let them know that they're about to get the consequence, then give them the consequence. Now, that's a long process. And I had some family that be like, move, man, let me just smack him in the head. You know what I'm saying? Like, y'all really going to take all that time? <laughs> I can handle this for you real quick. You know what I mean? Like, like but, 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 but we knew that, that there were two things that played for us. In our home, we didn't want anger to be the primary reason why we gave consequences. We wanted the behavior of the child. And sometimes in my anger, I can pop off so quick, the kid don't even know. What did I do? What, what, what happened? What, what, did I, what did I do wrong? But controlled, it was forcing us to really assess what is the level of the consequence that needs to be administered at this time. We didn't get it perfect. But see, for us, that was a new setting of our home life. And for others, they ridiculed us and looked down on us. What type of cultural things are happening in this world that make your Christian life look crazy? What voices are being told to you of what it means to be a good woman or a good man or to have a good household nowadays? What voices are coming at you? I could list a ton. But the, the problem really isn't, are you able to battle all the voices? Because as soon as I get ready for this voice, another voice comes. There's so many cultural things competing for what it means to raise a child of God. I more rather would have you live out of conviction of where you're headed, not just what you're fighting. See, we have so many cultural things happening, whether it's racism, whether it's gender, whether it's classism. There are so many things that are trying to redefine for you what it means to be human. But do you know? Are, are you sure of what it means to be a godly man or godly woman? Do you understand what it means to be a servant of God? See, once you know what God has told you, then whatever competing voices come, you can keep them at bay. But if you put your focus on the culture, you'll be shifting for everybody every two weeks. Why? Because the culture is constantly shifting. The culture confused in a mug. Talking to some people, you know, the, the, later, the last 10 years, people have been like, man, like, I'm, I'm so spiritual. I'm like, I'm like deep spiritually, but I don't want to have nothing to do with religion or the church. Okay, that, okay so, so explain that to me then. What's the, what's the boundaries for your spirituality? Well, my boundaries are like, like you know, I just, I just have an inner peace with some stuff. And I can feel your energy, and if your energy ain't right, then I ain't good. How'd that work? How'd that work? Because I, I know me. I'm driving. My energy changed like every three minutes from a pothole to the seat hurt to that ain't my song to why the kids ain't cleaning stuff, bugs. You know what I'm saying? Like my energy be like this, you know what I'm saying? So if you jump with my energy, you in for a ride. 
But see, we as believers have to be grounded. We've got to be steadfast on who God says we are. Therefore, whatever outside voices want to compete, we good. Because you're not going to redefine who we are in this home. God has given us his word. So fathers, stand on his word. Stand on his word. Stand on his word. There was a, a silence, y'all, and then we going home. There was a silence that took place. You have the Old Testament beautiful scriptures. You go to Malachi, and in Malachi, there's, there's this prophecy that something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6 say this. It says, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. And, and listen to this part. He says, he will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. Many versions say, and I, we love our NIV because this is uh, a gender neutral text, but many of the older texts would say he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. So there's a there's a prophecy of of a of a father of a parental figure stepping up again. And then after Malachi, y'all. So that's Old Testament. After Malachi, it is quiet for 400 years. 400 years of priests going in, going out, incense being burnt, incense being lit. Sacrifice is taking place. All these things. And then you get Zechariah who enters into that. He's in his long lineage, 400 years. And what happened? God shows up the night that he is presenting. And look back in verse 17. What does verse 17 say? It says, if I can scroll on up. Verse 17 says about John. And he will go on before the land in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children. This thing prophesied in Malachi that would someday happen. John is now the fruit of that very thing of parents and fathers turning back to invest in the homes and the way God Desired. And why is that going to happen? Because of Jesus. Because John is bringing forth the opportunity for people to hear about Jesus. He's making the way. He's paving the way. And some of you may not have had a godly example. Some of you may not have had uh, the most beautiful experience as a child. Some of you hear me talk about prayer and about worship at home and you feel like it's a foreign concept that's okay there's hope for us because of second corinthians 5 17 which simply says this it says therefore if anyone is in christ the new creation has come the old has gone the new is here you and I have a father that is the ultimate example. And what he does is he takes your life and says, I'm going to make it new. But not only am I making you new so that you can be free from sin, I'm making you new so that you can delight in a new reality. 
God wants you to experience the beauty of what it means to be a father. Not to simply reflect on the the shortcomings of your father. No matter what they may have been, I don't care if your father was with you from your last day, your first day, first breath until now, your father has some shortcomings. But God doesn't. And what we get to do is glean from our earthly fathers and then also take God's word and learn from it so that we can grow up into the fathers that he longs for us to be. Men of God, you are new creations. I pray you're encouraged by Zechariah's faithfulness. May it it equip us to live and empower and invest in our families that they may be changed for God's glory and his glory alone. Let us pray in this hot room. (laughs) Lord, we thank you. You are good to us. I was blessed to have two fathers. But some have not had any fathers. And God, I am no better than any other man and no other man is not beneath me and we are all the same. Why? Because you give us a fresh start in you. We get a chance, Lord, to look to you and see all of our potential. We see all of the opportunity, Lord. We see a great chance to be remade. Now let us submit and do as you would desire, that our families might be blessed. It's in Jesus' name we pray.